Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fuds on Film. I'm Drew, I'm joined today by Craig. That's a few syllables, Drew. And Scott. Hello. As an adjunct to our look at the Hollywood films of Dutch filmmaker Paul Verhoeven, we thought we'd take a look at the couple of the sequels to those. I suppose we could have looked at the sequels to the good films in that subset of Verhoeven's work, though they do more or less entirely miss the point of the originals. Absent satire and commentary aside, Robocop 2 reset the character, episodic TV style, and introduced a 12-year-old gangster. And Robocop 3... Well, in Robocop 3, Robocop flies and features some of the worst composting you could ever hope to not have to see, so no. <laughs> a film that was very much struggling before they ran out of money. And yes. <laughs> didn't improve matters at that point, yeah. Starship Troopers 2 is a retrofitted horror, and Starship Troopers <laughs> 3, while it is a clear continuation of the first film, is a bog standard sci fi action film, and there's not much to say about it. Total Recall did receive a sequel, sort of, though you really have to squint since the intended sequel for that ended up as an indie project by a little-known director called Steven Spielberg and Arnold Schwarzenegger looks uncanny like Tom Cruise in it. (laughs) So, yes, we could have looked at those, but we, some geniuses, decided instead to look at sequels to the two worst films of Paul Verhoeven's Hollywood period. So please, join us as we talk about the follow-up to a special effects showcase that is exceedingly light on the special effects, and a 16-year-later sequel about a character so minor she was difficult to remember while looking directly at her, in a film so bad that it puts Neil Breen to shame. If you listen very, very carefully, you can hear the cracking of her sanity. (laughs) Alright, so, first then, Hollow Man. Hollow Man 2 is the sequel to Hollow Man. Um, <laughs> that's it. Uh, this time, Christian Slater technically plays uh, a former soldier called Michael Griffin, who has been created an invisible man by recreating the work of the first film, and that's basically where the acknowledgement of the first film ends. And then he goes around murdering people for some terrible, terrible political reason. And it's incredibly boring. That's all I've got to say about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, the first film is bad. But, you know, passably enjoyable in a kind of schlocky, bog-standard sci-fi action film sort of way. It's a disgusting film because of all the, you know, the rape and sexual assault on it and Kevin Bacon not being at all believable as the villain. But... You know, it's passable enough, I guess. The main point about Hollow Man, though, is it's a special effects showcase, and it is, in that regard, actually quite impressive for the time. Hollow Man 2 is not that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it seems to suffer from the problem of, well, first of all, not understanding technologies like night vision is not thermal imaging. Uh, in its story of Christian Slater murdering people at the behest of some person involved in military research, he is seeking out some women to get some sort of special MacGuffin formula, which is called The Buffer. Again, this film doesn't understand anything because it seems to think The Buffer is a special thing as opposed to a type of thing. And he hunts her down, and then some cop who looks incredibly like James Blunt um, tries to help her. And honestly, it's just so boring 
I assume that they had Christian Slater for perhaps two days of filming. Yes. <laughs> he, he's seen on screen for about 30 seconds. That's generous, yeah. Yes, one day of filming and one day of voiceover, I suspect. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's about it. Um, it's a film that's not thought through at all because, you know, it's th- there's no thought put into this. Invisibility also apparently makes you silent. And I guess invisibility even stops your beard growing because when we see Christian Slater finally, he, he's not got a beard unless he stopped that morning to shave his invisible face. You know, <laughs> this film's not well thought through. We have wonderful lines like, in 2006, remember, a police officer suggesting that the woman he's meant to be protecting shouldn't go to the press uh, because how can she be protected with, by nerds with typewriters? typewriters 2006 <laughs> there's another former invisible man who turns up who tells us i have three rare cancers that's an apparently another skill of invisibility it makes you silent invisible and able to know what medical conditions you have <laughs> other great lines to establish something about character relationships when james bond cop turns up at the women's protecting's house there's a photograph of her and her sister you know like people do Pictures of the family and stuff inside their house. Guess you must be really close, the cop says. Yeah, that, and I'm, that or I'm overcompensating the women's system response. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, it's a quite spectacularly boring film. Um, and it's a film that has nothing to do or nothing to say and is very, very tedious. For a 90 minute film it feels like twice that length With nothing happens, with no interesting characters A complete misunderstanding of any sort of science Even kind of the pseudo science that's in the first film <laughs> You watched a Hollow Man film And you were, you were holding it to the tennis of scientific rigour no, I was holding Hollow Man to the scientific rigour of Hollow Man 1 And it fails to match even to clear even that low bar, Craig. Oh. Um, yeah, it's a cheap cash and I don't think anybody was asking for it. I don't see the point of this film. The problem with Hollow Man 2 is that it doesn't have a point. It's not necessarily with the mechanics of Hollow Man 2. Because actually, in terms of, I was going to say craftsmanship, but that it, that invokes a certain sense of uh, artistic integrity. It's a very functional film and I feel odd in saying that it is not the worst film I've ever seen. It's entirely functional. It's just that it doesn't have a point. It stars... uh, It's one of those films that falls into the category of B... Is it even B-movie? What was the budget of this? Am I correct in saying about $3 million or something like that? Is it even that much? I... Don't, don't see it really. That sounds about right for a direct-to-video sequel of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I could it's buy kind that. Of yeah, competently bolted together. It falls into that category of films that stars people who are one step abstracted from actually being sort of Hollywood attractive. <laughs> that attracts people at the appropriate pay grade, who you will probably never see in another film ever again, but have somehow managed to forge a career out of this kind of thing. Uh, It does what it does. It does it competently. I'm not going to say I hated it, because it was just there. 
It was yeah. by no means close to being the worst film I've ever watched. I just don't know what the point of its existence was. I congratulate Christian Slater for whatever paycheck he managed <laughs> to take on board for what we have already pointed out was literally two days' work, one day physically available on set and another day probably closer to four hours of voice work in a remote studio somewhere in front of a <laughs> pop-shielded microphone uh, for the voiceover stuff. It's there. It's competent. It's weirdly got the odd... F- flourish isn't the right word, but it's got the odd signifier that whoever directed this might have some sort of understanding what film is and does. And for that reason, it sits above (laughs) a lot of what I've seen in a direct-to-video context. But I say that having spent the last 42 years of my life pretty much avoiding direct-to-video stuff anyway. So if I'm honest about it, I don't know what the benchmark is. I didn't hate it. (laughs) I don't... I don't know. It was a hundred, however, a hundred and two minutes of my time that normally in this scenario I'd say I'd make a big drama about. I'll never get that back, but I just don't really care. No, it's uh, ninety-one minutes. It, for me, it felt much longer. Um, yeah, because for me, Craig, it's. I wish it was worse in some ways. I yes. didn't like it at all. I was incredibly bored, but it's not the worst film I've ever seen. The mm. next one we're going to talk about is a strong contender, and I was incredibly entertained by it because it was mental. But yeah, this film is just I don't I don't see the point. It's yeah, I mean, I don't see the point in this other than anything other than a cash-in to try and make a bit of money out of it. That's obviously why any film gets made, I suppose. But, um, yeah, in, in this particular yeah. instance, there's not, like, any new story to tell here. No. Um, if, uh, I'm certainly not recommending Hollow Man 2. Uh, what I could maybe make an argument for is it might actually be a better put-together story than Hollow Man 1. Hollow Man 1... Yeah has a lot of really nice special effects but basically just has a bad scientist going mentaler for no particular reason. Yeah. Um, whereas this one it does actually make some attempt to explain why these characters existed in the first place yeah. why they're actually doing what they're doing mm. and why what outcomes they're trying to get to achieve their, yeah. um, their desired outcomes and people who are in opposition to that. It actually works as a screenplay. Not a particularly good one, but <laughs> a competent yeah. screenplay that you could yes. hang some off. I just wish it had a bit more oomph to it. It, it doesn't have, clearly it just doesn't have the budget to kind of put the kind of special effects together that might have actually made this something in some way remarkable or something a bit more interesting to talk about. I think this is a perfectly competent film. Um, I, I really don't mind it. I'm not going to recommend anyone really try and track it mm. down or anything like that. But I think in any way you could like criticize it, it most it kind of covers all the basic yeah. elements that it would need to have yeah. to be considered a film but I that's said, not much of a recommendation i was some, scott, I mean, sorry scott uh, sorry drew on you go i was gonna say i'm gonna go scott and I, while I, I really really did enjoy it, it was a try to get through it at least qualifies as a film it looks <laughs> like a film yeah it acts like a film it's just unfortunately not a good film it's a thing and given its budget, it's got one or two sort of 
this this is like damning with faint praise. It's got one or two shots where I'm like, well, that was set up reasonably well, and with a bigger budget, I understand that that would have had more impact. My, my biggest problem at the end, because again, as I was bored, my my brain was kind of free really, and. The first film set in Washington DC, which you know is for large parts of the year quite a warm place. This film set in Seattle, and I was just mostly wondering, aren't they freezing because all these invisible people are naked? Are they not awfully <laughs> cold? And that's my big takeaway. This film should have been set in a warmer location. It made more sense. So, Scott, shall we carry on? You know <laughs> as the saying goes. The one who fills the world for being dumb is the one we should watch out for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, certainly fooled me. Um, If we must go on, I suppose the only way out is through. So, uh, Showgirls 2, of all things. Now, to be clear from the outset, I wasn't expecting Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven, to be good. But I just had to find out if it was somehow worse than the Verhoeven Esterhaus perpetrated dumpster fire that we had in our last episode. Um, but it is. It is very much worse. <laughs> so curiosity satisfied, I suppose, but that's really the only satisfaction that you'll be had from this film. Do you remember Penny from Showgirls? Of course you don't. Uh, but she was there, played by Rena Raphael, uh, languishing somewhere towards the end of the credits roll, and here, some 16 years later, she exhumes that character to tell her story, also directing, producing, writing, and editing that story. So it really has all the ingredients of a best-of-the-worst contender, apart from, well, any entertainment value whatsoever. Now, there is a plot in here somewhere, meandering around for the two and a half hours... Two and a half hours that this stretch is on for. Uh, but giving you any real details about it will just make it sound like I've been gargling LSD. So on a high level, it is about Penny giving up her life as a stripper in the hope of rekindling her dance career, heading off to Vegas to do so. On a very broad level, she's trying to get into the cast of a popular dance TV show uh, with very similar plot beats to the first film, which is a pretty questionable decision in and of itself, uh, with dancers betraying each other to get ahead and also being sucked into a world of vice. Except this also heads off on weird tangents, like the nightclub hosted by the dude dolled up like the devil, or the pointless visits to a pawn shop, or the frequent application of Vaseline to teeth, or Penny's maid who cleans in a soft porn outfit, or the attempt at erotic hot dog eating, or when the murder case that Penny's arrested for is solved by the soft porn maid who's also a criminologist. It might be possible to make sense of this, but I don't want to. Uh, so, so before you go on, Scott, too, like he wasn't dressed as the devil; he was the devil, because you're forgetting the supernatural elements in this film for some reason. Yes, I am trying to forget that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and, and all the rest of it. <laughs> Rena Raphael claimed that her Kickstarter trailer for this was shot on 35mm film with an Arflex camera and planned to do the rest of the film that way. However, sorry, 5,000... Scott, I'm sorry. Did you just say this was a Kickstarter? Yes. (laughs) It explains a lot. (laughs) No no word of a lie. If I'd known that, I wouldn't even be here for this. (laughs) And that $5,108 didn't buy a lot of 35mm theme film by apparently. And 
while I wasn't on set, so I can't really confirm this one way or the other, I'm fairly sure this was actually filmed on a potato, uh, with the audio captured by a slightly less capable potato, which rather hinders, rather hinders any attempt at comprehending this film. It's just as amateurly edited and shot, and also manages the remarkable feat of having less competent and less erotic dance numbers than the first film. The script is a mess. <laughs> that is a feat. <laughs> uh, the script is a mess. The dialogue is awesome. Uh, it's awful. Um, sure, it's supposed to be awful, but this overachieves on the awfulness to the point where there's just no toy to be extracted from it. It's just embarrassing. Look, I don't begrudge this film's existence. Raphael clearly saw the so-bad good revival of the first film and saw a vector to grab some of that sweet, ironic hate watch uh, dollar dollar. And with perhaps a bit of restraint and ideally an actual microphone or two, some of the least awful ideas and lines could have made for an 80-minute novelty that would satisfy those poor misguided appreciators of showgirls. However, the end result here is that most unloved of creations, an intentionally bad film that's going for the irony but is also so badly made that it's just a miserable watch for all concerned. We watched it so you don't have to. So, really, don't. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This is one of the worst things I've ever seen, yet I enjoyed it considerably more than I enjoyed Hollow Man 2. I found this passed more quickly. Um, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I know. Were you near a black hole or something? I I was very perversely entertained by this. Um, As I said, my introduction, it really is. Quantum. No, sorry, (laughs) Eastern mysticism. (laughs) It really is something that would make Neil Breen blush. Uh, What it actually made me think of was... Stop talking about Neil Breen. (laughs) Why is he a touchstone all of a sudden? <laughs> Shut up! Oh, one must keep one's eyes on Bean. Um, yeah, this is more of your Vitaly Versace level film, is what it made me think of, except that Vitaly Versace obviously knows how to pronounce that name and doesn't think it's Versace. Uh, it's. I mean, it came out because it was so mental, I never had any idea what was going on. It opens with a horror music and some images of some lamps. Okay, <laughs> then a clown. Sure, why not? Um, <laughs> then one of numerous uh, repeat uh, returns from Showgirls 1995, the guy who picked uh, Elizabeth Berkeley up in the car at the start hmm. uh, in his apparently $1 million Porsche, and then he takes her to... <laughs> <laughs> News to Porsche. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, takes his um takes her to the middle of the desert and then says we'll go into this building and get a seat. It's apparently a barn and then he goes and, <laughs> and leaves her. <laughs> um then This is great because this is affirmation that I didn't just imagine that <laughs> um, she, <laughs> She makes her way to Los Angeles from Las Vegas via somehow getting an enormous amount of money from some celebrity impersonators because there's apparently a huge amount of money in the celebrity I, impersonation racket. Wait, wait, wait a minute, you've 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 taken a huge side step there, Drew. You have negated translocated trailer park murder. Yeah, that's that's where she gets the money from. All oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. You can tell I've, at which point I stopped watching yeah. this film. Yes. Um, the celebrity impersonators who one of them kills the other two, and then the other one dies inadvertently. 
penny's hand um, and then suddenly there's an awful lot of money because this celebrity impersonation racket is like just very lucrative um <laughs> She makes her My favourite about the money is she has this bag full of money and uses it as interchangeable units of money. So she's got a roll of what seems to be about a hundred thousand dollars and just throws it going around for the bar. Yeah. Makes her way to Los Angeles where she meets a guy who uses his mobile phone like a walkie talkie and has a half chest size special police badge on. That- <laughs> I'm, I, it's so mind bending. Is that just like bad filmmaking? Is that meant to be some sort of joke? I was like, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Um, <laughs> so it's what kept me going because not more than two or three minutes would pass any point until I went, What? what? <laughs> Who? Like, for instance, the bit you mentioned, Scott, where she goes to the club that the devil is hosting. And then she sees a woman murdered because snuff films are a part of this as well. Because, yes, why not? Uh, <laughs> Then Penny goes to help the murdered woman, suddenly reappears in not a demon dimension or something, says, I was a concerned fan, and suddenly, for for some reason, her dress is full of carrots, and she has a radish in her hair, which was, for some reason, described as a turnip. You Um, guys are making me wish that I'd stayed with us longer before before I locked my iPad, man. (laughs) Um, It is... So and some oh the, the dialogue is like is a thing to behold. Um, but we have more simple things where it seems there are elements to it that suggest that Rena Raphael understood the first film, and then other times mm-hmm. like, but did she? I'm not so sure because, for instance, there's a, a plot point with Kevin McLachlan's character in the first one about him having well, not what a, a scene where he talks about having an MBA, but in this, it's an it's a BA because like she didn't hear properly and didn't know what the difference was. <laughs> um, and then we have wonderful lines like "Stop showing up," announced. <laughs> no, I'm not misspeaking. I'm quoting directly. Yes, stop showing up announced. That, that's terribly <laughs> formal and polite. Um, and we get told that they could fry an egg on my asphalt. I wish I knew what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> and then incredibly serious tones when we're told, gotcha, my paperwork is not in order. <laughs> and I saw the show from my stripper room. That this is an, a part of real estate that I didn't know was a thing before. Uh, I shall look out for in future listings. <laughs> I'm really worried that I bailed on this at the wrong time because I know what you're talking about when you talk about the guy who's basically Satan. Yeah. But I also have no idea what you're talking about when you say her dress full of carrots. <laughs> right after that, so her dress is full of carrots. Like that after that, see after the woman's murdered, and she goes. I don't to remember a her. woman being murdered, but I remember the guy yeah, essentially she... being Satan. Yeah, it's in that club. Um, this is at the thirty-minute mark, right? <laughs> yes, more or less. Yeah, um, yeah that's where I this build. Woman, this woman gets prawn. She's, I don't know, she's a porn star or a Playboy model or something. I'm sure, there's some reference to that there. She gets stabbed in the stomach. Then mm. she goes over. Um, Penny goes over to attend her, and suddenly she wakes up, and it's not in the demon dimension anymore. And she, her dress is full of carrots, and she's got a radish in her hair. It is mental. Um, and this is like, it was the devil because. There's a witch subplot, the strange maid, porn star maid, with um, <laughs> the comedy magnifying glass. 
Um, cartoon, the degree, yeah. Yes, a cartoon <laughs> magnifying glass who later on says, human trafficking, blood-sucking blood pimp-ass witches. Oh, I'll put an end to them if it's the last thing I do. Goddamn witches. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, there's suddenly character development where we find out <laughs> that Penny had a twin sister. Twin sister. She died in an accident. A bubble bath accident. Um, what? <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'd like to say that this was a fever dream, but I've been feeling quite well of late, so I don't <laughs> think so. I think this all happened in this film. Right. So the problem I have is that I gave this film 25 minutes, <laughs> and then I gave it another five minutes because I'm a nice guy. So literally, I got to the point where she's freaking out and sort of. A Hall of Mirrors thing where she's at that club or whatever and then the guy suddenly appears to be Satan because I feel like I know what you're on about with the guy being Satan but I didn't get as far as the dress full of carrots <laughs> um, but the problem <laughs> I have with this is that you've inadvertently sold it to me Drew <laughs> and I have oh, I'm so just sorry. I have just checked my iPad and of course I realise now that half an hour into this film I went oh that's right life is happening all around me and I'm not paying attention to it right now and I've deleted it so I'm going to have to re-torrent this film because let's not lie none of us present on this podcast tonight obtained this film by legitimate means listener I'm going to have to torrent again because you have weirdly sold it to me Drew (laughs) as being a better film than it presented itself in the first 30 minutes this is bizarre I right as I recall, because I'm not going to pretend that I was legitimately engaged with this at any point in the 25 to 30 minutes that I watched it, okay? Why would you? There was a point at which I think this outright parodied Mulholland Drive. There's certainly Mulholland Drive um, road sign very prominently displayed for right. 30 seconds yes. or something, yeah. Big, big kind of exclamation mark. I'm like, all right. Okay, so I I feel like I want to say I get it now, but obviously I don't have the context of having watched the whole film. At that point, I'm like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. And it was attempting to adopt this sort of dreamlike approach. And I'm like, oh, you're parodying Mulholland Drive. And from that, I'm going to take that you're actually being self-aware. I get it now. You're actually trying to be funny but five minutes later I had decided I'd had enough and I deleted it. I wasn't going to spend another hour of my life (laughs) invested in this but now I am conflicted because Drew has done a fantastic job (laughs) of selling me on why this would appeal entirely to my sense of humour. I really wish you hadn't said address with carrots, Drew. (laughs) Uh, See, um, I knew nothing about the film other than Scott had decided for some reason um, we should watch it. And, right, you and, you and, I, and I both. Yeah. And I, I worry about Scott, but I kind of wanted to be there for him because I'm a good friend. So, you <laughs> yes. know, I thought I would we need, go through we this need with him. context for our intervention, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so I had no idea. And, like, I saw that it was listed as a comedy and I thought, right. Um, 
I don't think there's any of it that I found funny that was meant to be funny. I'm pretty confident of it because the things I was laughing at was like the ridiculously fake blood across the necks of the people that got killed, the celebrity impersonators, things like that. Yes. <laughs> and only laughed a handful of times. But it just kept me engaged because it was so mental. And like, it's so badly made and disjointed. And you mentioned like it's meant to be like dream logic. So I guess maybe, but also I don't know. And... Um, <laughs> Like the the maid, the the Sherlock Holmes maid with her cartoon magnifying glass, she finds for some reason the word blot written on or brots written on some stones, and she, that's how she knows it's witches. And then underneath a pile of straw next to the rock is a box in which is a wine glass covered in fake blood, a Barbie doll sort of thing that's meant to be Penny, I guess, and. There was another thing. And then she runs to this woman who's never been seen in the film before, never been seen again, with a guy next to her sweeping up the porch. And she goes, I need to see this person who's also never been mentioned before. Oh, you've just missed her. And then she reopens the box and now the doll's turned into a shoe. <laughs> now the doll has turned into a shoe. And like, it's just, it was so mental. It kept me absolutely captivated because I never knew what kind of craziness was coming next. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, like the, there's a, a song over the end credits um, where, where the lyrics are, there's got to be something better than this. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, everything is better than this. Yet at the same time, I still found it entertaining in the most perverse manner. I think you've gone mental. Um, I thought this was boring as hell and I could not be bothered to follow a bit of its uh, weird pretzel logic that thing that's going on there. Um, I didn't find any of it funny. I didn't find any of it interesting, even the bits that were kind of... I, If I'm being generous, it was sort of intentionally going for that kind of vibe, um, but I just don't think it did a particularly good job of it. I was bored all the way throughout, and I hated it, and I hate myself, and I hate everything. Um, oh, I, no, I hate no, you. I, I really just to be I, clear. <laughs> uh, just, just, just don't. Just don't. It's awful. Um, no, 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 no. Very bad. Um, no, um, I did not get anything approaching any sense of joy from this at all. Um, like I say, with a, if this was if this had been cut down in half, it could have been a sort of vaguely interesting novelty. But no, um, just a, a big boring stretch of nonsense, and didn't didn't like it at all. Nope, just 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 nope, 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 nope. Don't like, don't like it. Nope. Can I just point out also? I was stone cold sober while watching this. And it still had that effect to me, so mm. I'm slightly concerned. <laughs> yes, I was. I was stone cold sober also, Drew, while watching this film, but I'm not now, and I'm really <laughs> worried about. <laughs> I'm really worried about the effect my interaction with you guys is having these days, because <laughs> I can't seem to approach some of these things without a hefty quantity of mind-altering drugs. <laughs> Anyway, have I pitched you my script for Showgirls 3? <laughs> please do, please do. Right, that'll wrap us up for this uh, podcast. And we'll be back to you again. This is a matter of record. My employers might listen to this. 
if you would like to get in touch with us uh, for any particular reason you can do uh, through email at podcast at fudsonfilm.com through uh, facebook.com slash fudsonfilm or our twitter at fudsonfilm do that I'm worried that if you do that it means you'll have watched these movies (laughs) (laughs) and you want to engage with us on them for some reason don't have an opinion on these movies by not watching them (laughs) that's definitely the best way to go but if you, want to, if you want to form some kind of support group, then it's <laughs> a good way to network. Uh, uh, so we'll see you in the next uh, circle of support for each other. Uh, until next time, I'll bid you adieu. I'm sure these guys will do too. Undoubtedly. Goddamn witches. Goddamn witches.